Hello world and welcome back to another episode slash the very first episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Woohoo! So, as you may or may not have known, the name of the podcast has changed. It is officially Let's Talk. We are no longer Women in Audio, although that has been a great name. Things have changed now. So, this is the first episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Um... In case you don't know or you missed the update, just as a quick reminder, we are also now going to be available on Amazon Podcast and on Audible. So look for that if that is something that you would like in the future. Now, moving on to what you actually came here for. The episode with my next guest. She has... An amazing career. She's traveled the world. She plays the bassoon. She is in music production. And she's also an amazing sound engineer. And her name is Cinnamon Denise. And I had a wonderful time hanging out with her and talking with her. And um, I hope that you guys enjoy what we talked about in our conversation. And I hope you get something out of it. Also, just so you know, this episode was recorded towards the beginning of Rona. Um, so I think it was like March, April-ish, give or take, possibly. I don't quite remember. Just know it was earlier in the summer versus uh, more recently. So either way, let's get on with this. And also super special thanks to my wonderful friend Danny for making this intro. I super love it and I hope that you do too. here with Cinnamon Denise, um, and she is a lady that I met recently through uh, the Omni Sound Project. Thank you, Lisa, for introducing us, and um, I'm really excited to have Cinnamon here today. So uh, we'll jump right on into our interview, and Cinnamon, if you'll introduce yourself, let's get this ball yes, rolling. Yes, yes. Hi, my name is Cinnamon Denise, and that is Cinnamon Just Like the Spice, and Denise Just Like Denise, or Denise Richards. Um, I try to clarify that because every time people are like, is Cinnamon your real name? Yes. <laughs> Can I call you something else? No. <laughs> but um, no. So I am a uh, vocalist and a bassoonist and an audio engineer. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I have been around music my whole life, and I Basically, what kind of got me started into audio engineering was kind of having this frustration that I think a lot of people have um, of not being able to record themselves or make a good sounding recording or do something that's even remotely close to create something that's even remotely close to what you envisioned. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to study in college. And so, and so I did, and I got a lot better, obviously, and um, I improved, and I practiced, and this, that, and the other, and um, yeah. So that's that's basically kind of the story. I mean, I produce music as well, 
and I songwrite. I've song written for like Japanese producers, not in Japanese, in English. But <laughs> I was about to ask. I was like, you know Japanese? <laughs> no, I do not know Japanese. You know, Deep House is a big deal in Japan, and so Deep House like fits like a. I sing mostly R and B and neo soul, and so Deep House voices are typically like R and B and neo soul singers. And so the sound fits like really perfectly. And um, we, I created this couple songs with this um, producer and it ended up doing really well. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's me. Uh, just to clarify, what exactly is Deep House for those who do not know? Oh, Deep House is kind of like, it's like a more, I don't want to say laid back because it's still pretty upbeat but it's like a more chill techno, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's kind of like how lo-fi hip hop is like the chilled version of hip hop. You have yeah. like techno music and then Deep House is like the chilled version of it. Yeah, it's like, a, it has a real, it has a real cool vibe, like a real chill vibe, but it's still fast and upbeat, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like that. I mean, it kind of it comes from techno and Eurodance, but um, I'm not sure where it kind of evolved into Deep House. Maybe Ibiza, um, but history but, yeah. unknown. I don't know about the history. <laughs> don't ask me about that. But yeah, so that's what Deep House is. That's awesome. Wait, so did you get involved with that like as soon as you graduated, or while you were still at university? So. Um, so after I graduated from Berkeley, I did an internship in Ibiza. And um, the studio that I was at, Sonic Vista Studios, had a lot of different connections to a lot of different producers just because Ibiza is like a big party scene. But they also like connected with um, like Akon and the Ting Tings and Lady Gaga and all sorts of really cool. Um, I love the Ting Tings too. <laughs> really cool uh, artists. And the owner connected me to this producer who was kind of like part of their Japanese extension like an extension of the studio and so we connected and then we wrote this song together and um yeah that's basically how that happened (laughs) that's That's super cool um okay so just to back up right quick uh you went to university and you went to berkeley and then you have a master's degree though that you got as well so i went so for berkeley i got from berkeley college of music i got my master's degree okay and then from the University of Miami in Florida, I got my undergrad, my bachelor's degree. Gotcha. And what were they in? Yes. Uh, my undergrad was in media writing and production, which is which sounds like it's a communications degree, but it's not. It was a music degree. <laughs> and um, it was writing music for different forms of media. Okay. Uh, like film, TV, radio commercial stuff like that and then my master's degree is in music technology innovation which is um it was really cool it's a lot of different things but mostly like recording engineering um sound design production and a little bit of 
like making your own instruments or making your own MIDI controllers or developing your own sound. I'm not like in sound design, but developing different gear that you can use to enhance your performance. Nice. That's cool. Damn, you have such like cool sounding like degrees. <laughs> Mine does not sound that cool. I'm like, I have a degree in applied mathematics. And people are like, oh, that's nice. No. Like, what does that, that is mean? nice. I mean, that it is, is nice, nice but yours sounds so fancy. It sounds so cool. <laughs> People are like, "Oh, you must be like really smart because you can do math." So, can you like do derivative? No, the people never ask you, "Can you do derivatives?" They always say, "I was never good at math in school." That's right. what they always say. That's okay. usually what's said. I was like, nobody asked me to do derivatives. Um, although that would be funny. kind of fun. It sounds like a party trick. I could just do derivatives that's spontaneously. That's fun. Yeah. I, it's so funny because at this point, like, I don't remember the last time I tried to, I can add and subtract in my head, but, <laughs> but after that, it's like, I don't remember how to do this long division thing. Like, who does long I division? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I was like, do people still do? That's the thing. I was like, do people still do that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Nobody's okay. doing long division. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. We're, so, we're short divisioning all the way. Um, okay, short divisioning. Okay. That's not even a real word. We're short dividing all the way. Um, and most people are just typing it into calculators. Okay. It's really funny because. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So did I just like age myself? <laughs> No, that is not what happened. What I was going to say is nobody does long division after like elementary school. Like you um, get past elementary school. Nobody's doing long division anymore. Like you're basically done with that un- unless you do pre-calculus. And then in pre-cal, when you start doing imaginary numbers, they'll reintroduce to you long division as a form to solve problems that have imaginary numbers and then that's it and then you never see long division again long division is simply okay. just a tool for you to okay. learn like so after I that it's pre-cal. <laughs> so i did take pre-cal in like seventh or eighth grade and so i do remember that's why when you said nobody does long division after elementary school it's like i'm pretty sure i was still doing it okay was i like behind <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, with the imaginary numbers it's when you have a square root of a negative one and so the negative one breaks down into components and then you end up with like an I. And so then that's like how you continue having your imaginary number. Anyway, that's not really the point. The point is, is that nobody does it after like that one lesson in pre-cal. Okay. <laughs> so you, okay. you learn in elementary school. You don't see it again until you get to pre-cal if you ever take pre-cal because some people never take pre-cal. And then you do pre-cal. You do that one section with your eyes in your imaginary numbers and then you basically never see it again unless you're me and then you have to prove why <laughs> long division works <laughs> and then you see it as part of your analysis class okay. of math. I did take calculus yeah, I took calculus I took AP calculus yeah you weren't doing I, long division I know I don't think I was I don't, I don't think I was at best you were doing integrals and derivatives but I think yeah, integrals were second semester. So if you didn't even do calculus two, then I don't think you did integrals. I did do calculus two. Did you? So then there you go. Yes. I was actually good at math. I'm just saying I don't remember it because I haven't touched it. And so like because I took AP Calc, I didn't have to like do – I think I took one math class in college. 
because I didn't really, I like tested out everything or whatever. But because of that, like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Who's using it, it on a regular matter. basis anyway? Like, are you sitting around being like, oh, gee, I need to take the derivative so that way I can figure out how to, how to write this, you know, style of music. Like, nobody's doing that on a regular basis unless you're like, a STEM person. So that's why I was always confused why they made people do calculus. But then I learned it's an educational thing and that it's a tool to help you use your brain in a different way. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. But could we not have learned that by something a little less? <laughs> less that. <laughs> Whatever yeah. that is. Um, but yeah. I, then I was stupid and got a degree in it. So then, you know, I just set myself up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned that you started doing audio because you wanted to figure out how to record yourself and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how how did you make that connection into audio then? Like, did you were you like, oh, let me go research it, or was it like I was at home and I bought this microphone and I had a doll and I was just like, I'm gonna figure this out. Like, how did you come to to realizing that you wanted to learn audio and then even step further than that, actually go to school for it? Uh, well, uh, the question is kind of twofold. So I always knew I wanted to study music in college anyway. And that is just, it's not, I don't want to say I knew it was my destiny or whatever, but I kind of knew it was my destiny. So, (laughs) so it was like, there was nothing else that I was passionate about and there was, really nothing else that I could see myself doing at least in college. And I knew either I could get a job or go to college. And if I was going to go to college, I was going to study music. So, um, yeah, that's how that happened. Now, the reason why I didn't like pick anything else like performance or like music ed, I knew I didn't want to be a music teacher. It was really kind of by like deduction. Yeah. I knew I didn't want to be a music teacher. I knew I didn't want to be like a orchestral bassoonist. I knew I liked playing the bassoon, but I knew I didn't want to like I, I wanted to be a professional bassoonist, but not in the same not in a classical way. So I was like, well, that's not going to work because there's nobody to teach me. And then I was like, (laughs) and then I was like, okay, I don't want to be like a music engineer because I was like a science degree at the time. And so I was like, I'm not really trying to do a science degree either. (laughs) And then it was, okay, I could be a steady jazz voice. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that either. And so, <laughs> and so it's not just kind of like, well, I've always wanted to be able to record my own music and make an album and do this and do that. What degree program lets me do that? And so I started looking, you know, I started like researching schools that allowed, um, that had programs that were geared towards that, you know, I almost studied acoustics, um, which I would have been really interested in, but Um, that was kind of how I got to that just because I knew I wanted to be able to basically record myself and I didn't know what that involved. I didn't know if I'm being completely honest, I didn't know what a doll was. (laughs) So I I got to college and they were like, yeah, so you're going to use this doll. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) Um, quick question. (laughs) What's a doll? Yeah. I was like, what is that? 
Yeah. So, you know, it, it, um, it kind of evolved on its own. And I started, I started as a music business major actually. And man, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. It's, it's totally not, it totally wasn't for me. And so I transferred programs my second year and, you know, just starting to learn how to make what's in my head was really empowering for me. And I think it's probably really empowering for anybody really, but having the ability to get it down um, and have it be a tangible thing that I can present to somebody as a portfolio or as a, or as a, um, just a tangible thing to have was really empowering. And it made me, I, it made me like believe in my myself, I guess, you know, <laughs> it made me believe in my music. And when I would replicate, when I would create something, I was able to hear and improve, Yeah, you know, it's like when you're playing an instrument or something like that. And if you record yourself, you improve that much faster when you listen back to yourself because you hear, what you're doing and what you could change. So it was the same thing as far as like songwriting and as far as um, singing and as far as my playing was all just being able to do that was really empowering and made me excited every, every single time I I would, I would do it, you know? So I forgot your question, but I think I, <laughs> I think you did. I think you answered it. That was good. Uh so then the the follow up to that is then how do you define yourself in audio now? Like um <clears throat> since you do since you are multifaceted in that regard then. Um basically what you said, just multi a multifaceted um uh, musician and audio engineer. I mean, I I guess defining myself in audio. What, like, what do you mean by that? Um, okay, like <laughs> if, you, if you were going out for a job, um, what descriptions would you look for? I would, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I'd say, I'd probably put like my strongest, my strongest, um, the, the strongest aspect to my audio engineering is my editing. Okay. Uh, is, it's more specifically like my vocal editing because I've just had more, work in that like I've done some voiceover work too like editing other people's voiceover work nobody wants to hear my voice (laughs) unless I'm singing um (laughs) but uh audio editing audio editing um like post-production audio editing that sort of thing so that's where I would if I was applying to a job that's where like my strongest point would be and like most of my portfolio work would be in that's cool so what is uh what are some of like the tools that what are some of your favorite tools then to use to to edit and do post production like audio tools that you use um so if i'm editing like music i love using <laughs> i'll get real specific i love using um and then i forgot the name of it it's a sound it's a sound toys plugin Little Alter Boy. That's the name of it? Little Alter Boy? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the name of it. But it allows you to like change the formats of your of the audio that you're processing. And it like it like will repitch things, but it does it in a really accurate way because there's a lot of 
there's a lot of plugins that will repitch things, but it'll make them, it'll, it'll create all sort of artifacts. And so it's like this plugin really doesn't do that. And it makes a, such a, um, a high fidelity replication of what you are. It really creates what you were thinking in your head. So <laughs> that's number one. Um, I love using basically pretty much any plugin made by Waves uh, that I could afford. Uh, so expensive. <laughs> right. I love Altiverb, but I can't afford Altiverb, but I love using Altiverb whenever I get a chance to get my hands on it. I love it because I love reverb. Um, but that, you know, I love hearing my own voice when I'm singing. So oh, as our most, <laughs> most vocalists would love to hear themselves. So that makes total sense. They're like, I can't hear me. And you'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then Isotope to kind of make sure everything is clean. So like de-hum, de-noise, de-clip everything. Um, and that just helps get everything, ensure that everything is in a pristine state before you really start trying to mix any, anything. Because like, it's just like, if you go, if you try to mix something that's not cleaned up, uh, it just, which I'm sure you know in your podcast, it it basically just ends up sounding bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Don't do that to yourself. You're like, this is just, <laughs> this is just not good at all. But um, yeah, so that those are the tools I like to use. And I will say this, like, I use Pro Tools to record, but I use Ableton to mm. write. And there is a very specific reason yeah, for that. that. And, and Pro Tools, it has... Okay, Pro Tools has this feature in it. It's called a playlist feature, and it allows you to basically take multiple takes of one thing and then kind of comp things really seamlessly and really effectively. But Ableton doesn't really have anything like that. And you can kind of finagle your way around it, but because Pro Tools has it set up already, it's, like, easier to do. And in Ableton, it's just, for me, it's easier to write. It's a lot faster as far as the MIDI programming. Um, it's more intuitive. Let me put it that way. I'm faster in it. I don't want to say it's a lot faster. I'm faster in it. <laughs> and, um, it's just, it, it allows the creative process to be the creative process instead of the creative and the technical process. Whereas Pro Tools, it has all these sort of things that you have to go through just to program, like just to program things. And, it takes it slows down the creative process for me. I get that. So when people ask me like, "What should I use to write?" or "What should I? What's the best DAW?" I'm like, "Well, what are you trying to do?" <laughs> well, you know? Do you believe in that statement that um, that DAWs sound different? Yes, yeah? you do. Yeah, I do. Because I uh, I saw a, a, a tweet on Twitter, or it was. On Instagram. It was on Instagram, but it was copied from Twitter. And uh, the statement was, um, if somebody tries to tell you that dolls sound different, then they're lying. And then it had, like, a Pinocchio emoji at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... I think they do sound different. I mean, I think... 
I think the quality, like the fidelity of them is different, you know? And the, and the thing is too, like, what do you mean by DAWs sound different? You mean like the plugins that are in, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? If they're not using the same exact equation to create a similar reverb, it's going to sound different. Right. So, so what do they mean? DAWs don't, I'd ask them more what they mean. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm like, what do you mean DAWs don't sound different? Cause if you start adding plugins to it, it's going to sound different. Even if, even if you can't tell, it's going to, technically it sounds different. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> technically it's a different, it's a different piece of audio at that point, unless you're using exactly all the same plugins, then I mean, maybe that's what they're saying, like kind of testing it in that way. Um, then I would, I would say that I'm on the fence. If you if then, you know, then I'd say, okay, if you're using the same exact processing and the same exact, this, that, and the other, then I would kind of be like, okay, maybe you, there's not an audible difference, but it's still not using the same exact equations as Pro Tools or as Ableton or as Logic or whatever. So it's, it's technically not going to be the same exact piece of audio, you know? So I'd say somewhere on the fence, <laughs> like sound different like audible or actually are different like what do you mean like, what, like I just I need more I have questions that's what that's that's what that sounded I mean, like yeah. I have questions <laughs> I have that feeling all the time when I'm on Instagram so I try not to read Instagram too often because I see posts and I'm like I have questions I have all the questions because I don't know what you mean by that. And I need to know what you mean before I can tell you how I feel. Like when people be like, how do you feel about this? Like, let's discuss. And I'm like, well, I have questions first uh, before we can just jump into this discussion. I need to know what you mean, this or that. And then maybe we can break it down from there. And people be like, you do too much for the Instagram posts. And I'm like, I guess I'm just not made for Instagram then. Uh <laughs> Instagram is not my friend then. I don't know. I don't know. What to tell you. Right. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. No, I feel you. Because like people do these like instigating questions and you're like, do you really want the answer to your question or do you really just want to instigate? Like, <laughs> are you really looking for an answer? Like, because you need an answer and you're looking for an intelligent, intellectual, informed answer? Or are you really just straight up instigating? I don't have time for the former. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> no, um, if I'm ever going to have an intellectual debate with people, though, it's usually on Facebook, and it's with people that I know who aren't out to be instigators. And then, like, they're, like, they're people mm -hmm. that I know in real life who are like, we just want to have an intellectual conversation. That's the whole point of these posts, like, for us to have a positive back and forth. And if you can't be a part of the positive back and forth, we don't want you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so it's really nice mm -hmm. to, so if I'm going to do that, that's where I do it at because Instagram is not that for me. Them trolls be killing me. Although I will, I will lie though <laughs> on other people's posts. That stuff be funny. <laughs> I, 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 I be scrolling through other people's posts and I'll be like, what are you talking about? Talking about. To do with what they right. posted, but that's okay. <laughs> like, but it's usually yeah. like of celebrities. So I'm like, it's kind of yeah there's this one um you can edit you can edit this out there's this one there's this one instagram post of this this guy this black this black guy who just graduated from law school so he has his jd right and he's like posing and he, i think he thinks he's handsome but he's really to me he's not and so um he his post 
was like, well, black women want this and they expect this. And all the, all the meanwhile, you know, they think they're the prize. Well, now I'm the prize because I have my JD. And then somebody posted, but bro, you didn't even pass the bar. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, it was like I have to send it to you because he was he was going off like he was going off on black women black people black culture meanwhile he's black and it's like you didn't even pass you know some people were like you're not even cute like you didn't even graduate with a high GPA or whatever but some people were like you didn't even pass the bar so you're not even a lawyer (laughs) it was so bad oh that's so funny though and so in his and so in his bio, like on his Instagram profile, it says bar loading. Oh yeah, you know I mean like on, on the right so <laughs> bar loading. <laughs> no. Like, and and you know the bar is hard. Like not everybody passes their first, second, third, fourth, or fifth time. But for you to be like making this big hoopla out of yourself, you know, are you hot? I was like, you laugh while I was crying. It's, I, I cry laugh. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I have what's called leaky tear ducts, and uh, tears run out of them of their own accord, whether I'm happy or not, sad or not. It doesn't, any sort of emotion, they just start falling. Um, and that story was hilarious because uh, I'd be all up. I'm not going to lie. I'd be all up on the, the, the shade rooms and stuff like that. Like, like just cruising because i'm bored and you run across stuff like that all the time and it's hilarious to me i love it when people like it's just like the low-key getting called out it's like nobody needed all of that like if you would have just posted your picture and said hey i graduated today woot woot like we would have been fine but no you had to take it a step further and then start attacking people and then it's like let me clap back in the most gracious way thank you you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah no i totally oh, i love that stuff i think it's hilarious <laughs> but no uh <laughs> sorry i'm fanning myself with this uh it's a it's a possible paint swap because i'm painting furniture because i thought that was a great idea um to match my apartment and then i realized that i just wanted to buy new furniture. So then I was like, why do I have this? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Maybe I'll still paint it. I was going to ask you something earlier. Um, so like, okay. So since, if you don't mind sharing this, of course, um, since you were talking about how you edit um, mostly post-production with vocals and stuff like that, um, what are like some, I don't know, practical advice for somebody who's trying to like, like record vocals and uh edit them and do that properly because i know that that some people are out there and they're like yeah that's that's something i would like to know how do i make my vocals not sound like garbage (laughs) no okay so i'll give like impractical and practical advice so let's start with the impractical be patient with yourself (laughs) it's not you're not going to get on first time somebody some client is going to be unhappy you're going to have to do it a million times over just so you can get paid 50 bucks <laughs> so you know it it happens and everybody's trying to like make their way through the you know make their editing way or their post-production way through things so just be patient with yourself 
But practical advice, um, I would say knowing what genre, like really doing your research as far as your listening research on what genre you're editing in. Because like the, a common debate amongst audio editors is do I take out the breath or do I leave the breath or do I decrease the volume of the breath? And if you're doing like a ballad, you probably want the breath because it like makes it more intimate. But if you're doing like a voiceover, you don't really want the breath because it's distracting. If you're doing pop, you definitely don't want the breath unless it's like they're about to belt something out. You know what I'm saying? So you need to know what genre of music you're working in and really be familiar with it before you start editing. And another practical thing I would say is to, which I feel like everybody should know, but some people don't, (laughs) is to save versions of your work. Because usually what happens is you get to like this, um, plateau sort of thing like just above the plateau where your work is like amazing or it's your best and then you keep working and it goes back down and it gets bad again (laughs) so if you don't save that version of where you go get to your peak and the latest version that you have is coming off that peak it's like really frustrating because you're like how many times can I command Z to get back (laughs) To what I did that was so amazing, you know, and also, you know, when clients are asking you for work and you send it to them, you want to be able to go back to the version that you sent to them. And um, yeah, that's some practical advice. Yeah, that no, your question. Good. You're good. <laughs> okay. I mean, I feel like any sort of answer okay. is, is answering the question. Like in my personal <laughs> opinion, if you have a response and that's the answer to the question, I don't. I don't really, I mean, I can't be like, no, that was a terrible response. I'm going to need you to go again. Um, yes, <laughs> take two right quick um, and go. Like, no, like that's not, nah. <laughs> I'm it. such an easy that host cool. to please. I'm just going to be honest about it. Like, I am so easy to please. I'm like, oh my God, you responded. That's awesome. And it wasn't a sentence <laughs> or one word because right. those are the worst. Uh, so what do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so yeah, I'm 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 pretty pretty easy in that regard. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so so what are you doing these days? I mean, I know the coronavirus has kind of <laughs> changed what people are actually doing, um, but I guess pre-rona, or I don't know if you're still working during Rona. So, yeah. So pre-Rona, I was teaching in person audio engineering and more so audio production at the Art Institute of Austin. (laughs) Post-Rona, it's been, or during Rona, uh, since we're still kind of in it, I've been, um, working on just a lot of individual projects like a podcast and um, editing some guitars, mixing some uh, folk song, like singer songwriters, singer songwriter material. 
And I have been developing my own work, which is really like where my path, like where my heart is, you know, that's like what makes me really get up in the morning. And that's been me and James. So James is my bassoon. And uh, me and James have been together for about, oh, wow, for, okay, let's not say how old I am. But (laughs) so we've been together for over 10 years now. And, uh, and we've gone through a lot of different things. We've been across the world. We've been in the States. We've gone through two schools together. We've parted ways for a year and we've come back together. And so it's like, we have this little relationship. And, um, now I'm at the point where I'm working with you know, me and James are working together and we're creating these video series of um, just really songs that we really enjoy playing uh, that aren't necessarily classical, that aren't necessarily jazz. They're like R&B or they're like pop and we replicate them. So um, it's been really cool. Some people think it's really corny because the bassoon has this particular sound, but it's actually... Um, not to see my own harm, but it's a lot harder than it seems to play other stuff besides yeah. it's hard to play the bassoon. <laughs> so, so to do something that's kind of outside of the box is more difficult than it seems. And it takes a lot of time, but me and James are enjoying that. So we've been doing that and um, we have some cool stuff coming down the pop- pipeline. And I've been writing, like writing, just writing music and producing music. And it's just been really purging and reflective. There are there are two instances in my life where I remember being really open creatively. And one was during my internship in Ibiza. And the other time yeah. is now. And yeah, where it's like everything's flowing. And even when I have quote unquote writer's block, I don't feel bad about it because I know tomorrow when I wake up, it's a new day and I can pick back up where I left off and I feel confident that I can create uh create what's in my head so um it's like this time I've used to rebuild my confidence in myself and it's just been a very powerful time for me and I'm just so grateful for it because I've had all this time on my hands and I've you I think I've used it well and I didn't, I don't think I've gotten so much, um, I don't think I've packed myself full of things because I try not to, um, like pack my schedule full of, of things and nothing really substantial, but still have a project or two projects or three projects that I'm working on that I believe will take me to the next level or to the next step or are just pleasing to me in general. So that's been, I mean, it's, it's really been a blessing. Like, yeah, I can't get out the house and that's okay. But, you know, I go for walks or whatever and I practice my yoga in the morning and 
it's been like a really powerful and beautiful introspective time. So yeah, that's what I've been working on. That's cool. Um, why the name James? How'd you come up with that? Uh, I just, I name my instruments and my cars and things. I name a lot of things. I think, I think if, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think it's a powerful thing to name, um, to name, to name things that are important to you. And, uh, James was the name that like kind of came to me. Uh, so I think if I remember correctly, I was thinking about like, it was Jesus's brother's name or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Jesus's yeah. brother's name is James. And so I wasn't, I wasn't thinking like this bassoon is my savior or anything like that, but you know, it's like there, this instrument is a medium of which for me to, um, advance myself and be a creator and creative. And so I just thought James was a very, you know, King James, James is a very prestigious and royal name. And um, visually the bassoon, my bassoon is very beautiful and it's like a dark cherry wood color. And so it has this beautiful shine to it. And um, so to me, it just, like has a royal presence. And um, I knew it was a boy from the first moment. I I knew it was a boy because it just wasn't cooperating. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I was like, I just knew. I just I just knew. And uh, I just went with James. So yeah. That's really cool. Um yeah, no, I don't I don't really have things to name, but um my the very first vehicle I ever got um that I that I bought I've only ever had two vehicles in my life. I don't know why I say that. Like I've owned like multiple cars or something. Um, but when I first moved to Austin, I had a moped and I named it Laney Bug. Uh, Cause I had this oh, helmet okay. that was white with black dots on it. And it was like one of those half mm-hmm. face ones. So this part right here had like a shield on it. And then it strapped underneath your neck. So like only your eyes to nose was uh covered by a shield and um it reminded me of ladybugs and my mom's nickname for me um when i was a kid is ladybug and so i did some tomfoolery and and so i was like laney elaine ladybug it's a book and it became this whole thing and it was like it was like this whole like put together thought and uh, I loved my moped. I genuinely miss having a moped. I don't know why people have cars. They stress me out and they cost way more money. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I do have a car and uh, I call her Hoopty and she is my okay. Hoopty. And we okay. get around the world together <laughs> um, and we are still kicking even though life likes to beat us up <laughs> right and so uh hoopty and i are, are chilling uh and it's great it's a toyota corolla it's a basic car there's nice. nothing fancy about it but i've been through a lot with the car especially since i got it and so uh so yeah so i i like naming things too um i people always kind of thought it was a little weird that i named my things but i kind of like your story about how you came up with yours so that was like <laughs> i was like oh yeah i'm not crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely name everything. My car's name is Zane. Zane? 
Yeah, Z-A-N-E. Yeah. And he is a uh, a Lexus IS-250. And he, I had like, I was like, it was not the car I wanted, but it, it was the, it was the car that I needed. You know what I mean? And he's been like faithful, good, kind. And so he's like my throne, you know? And so every time I get him, I'm like, thank you, Zane. Thank you for taking me to the store today. And when we get to the store safely, that's his way of saying you're welcome. So. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's so cute. I love that. Yeah, so. no, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so people, be, hold on to people be hating on Hoopty because she, she, she looking a little rough around the edges, okay? But Hoopty <laughs> and I have gone across America and back, okay? So I don't know about other people's cars be breaking down and stuff. Me and Hoopty have not broken down, okay? Yeah. Me and Hoopty, <laughs> we got it together, okay? I fix her up when right. she needs it. I treat her well. I change the oil every three months. I think it's supposed to be every three months, but I do it. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be six months, actually. I don't actually know. Um, but the point great. is that I do it. Okay. Well, it depends on the it depends on the uh, type of oil. Yeah, I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. But I also know. Okay, so I was car illiterate for a really long time. Um, I think I'm still car illiterate, but I've because I've been um, in accidents and stuff like that that. Like in not accidents, um, in situations where things have happened to the car and I didn't have the money to fix it, I taught myself how to fix it. So, like, the um, starter went out, and I I want to make sure that's what it's called. It's called the starter, not the alternator, it's called the starter. Went out, and I was able to replace it through YouTube videos. Oh, wow. Look at um, you. Through YouTube. <laughs> The only thing I haven't been able to figure out how to do on my own in terms of fixing this car, because I even replaced like the front lamps on it. I've replaced um, tail light, like not just the light bulbs, but like the whole lamp side of it. I had to get a new um, the thing in the front for your air conditioner. Um, I'm spacing on what it's called. The radiator? Radiator. Thank you. I was like, what is it called? Like a <laughs> in my head I could see yeah. the, a new radiator I put that on my car I did all these things and it's been great and she's still cooking kicking around and it's great and it's one of those things where I was like people were like oh you just get rid of your car and like just get it start all over again and I was like no we don't have the money to start all over again this is this is <laughs> this is not how this is going to work and so it was me being like, how can I fix this? And I got on YouTube and I remember searching and I'd be like, ah, I can do this. How much does the part cost? Ah, I can get it at the junkyard. Cool. And then like me going mm-hmm. and like finding all this stuff, I bought a whole tool set because at this point I was like, I'm already doing so much on my own. I'm not paying people anymore. Cause when I was living at home with my parents, my mom would give me a coupon and we would go down to the shop for anything that had to get done. I had a coupon and I went to the shop (laughs) and that's how car maintenance Mm -hmm. worked for me. And then um, Mm -hmm. I got here and I didn't have any coupons and my mom wasn't there. So I was like, how Mm -hmm. do I function on my own? And that was the first thing 
that I well the first thing I learned was how to change my own oil because I did not have the money to pay somebody to change my oil but after I built that confidence and then I just kept going from there and so that's cool since you are in this time of uh self learning and stuff like that uh free time and we're all stuck at the house um what tools have you been using or have you used in the past to kind of uh help you grow in your skills of being an audio engineer. <laughs> it's going to sound so like, I mean, YouTube, <laughs> um, a couple books that I have, um, that I'm reading, just under, you know, just learning about learning more about audio and how sound works. And, um, I'm kind of interested in going down the acoustician road to be completely honest, but I would never, I'm only saying that here. That's only for women in audio podcast. (laughs) I don't want the world to know because then they're going to start asking me questions that I don't know the answer to. I don't know that yet. yet. (laughs) I'm still reading. Okay. But, um, (laughs) but no, um, YouTube books, other peers too. Like with the Omni Sound Project, I'm connecting to such two other really amazing people that give me um, kind of like just the ability to have these to to be their their resources to to learn new things. So first first question is what books. Second to that is have you heard have you considered like going to ACC because I know that they have like. Um, Physics of Acoustics classes. I know I took mm-hmm. one. I took a Physics of Acoustics class at ACC, and it was bomb because it was it was very much so like how to understand being how to be an acoustician and stuff like that was like incorporated in it, and it was also like physically doing the math of it all, which is like I think sometimes people forget when they. Not, I'm not saying that you did, but I know some people do forget that there's like a lot of math that goes into being an acoustician, and so it goes into a lot of the math of it as well and walks you through it and stuff like that. I don't know. It was a really cool class. And it was definitely, it's called, it's called physics of acoustics. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm connecting with other people and they tell me stuff. It's it's so true. Um, And if you ever want to talk to somebody who is an acoustician, I do know somebody that I could point you to. Um, His name is, he's, he's a, old professor of mine at dbu yeah i don't know what kind of acoustics you want to that. be but because i mean there's obviously different branches of it but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is also something i don't think people realize <laughs> is that there's multiple branches of that i'm like it's not just like one thing um but yeah so right. it's, it's really because you can like design i mean because you can do like highway acoustics you know or like airport or cathedrals or um studio so it's like you can do all sorts of it's so funny um some people are like i want to be an engineer and you're like well what type of engineering like i don't i don't know <laughs> and you're like uh you might want to yeah. start there <laughs> yeah so what books have you been reading about? so i'm reading the audio expert which is like a it's almost like a refresher you know if you don't touch like a engineering if you don't touch like a studio in a while then you need to like stay like working in a studio is like you have to have hands-on experience like there's no other way to do this 
<laughs> you know what I mean? There's literally no other way. You can read as much as you want. You still have to do it. And so, um, but just making sure that I'm still in that mindset um, has really been helping me. The audio expert, uh, understanding audio. These are like really simple titles. <laughs> now that I'm realizing, <laughs> understanding audio. That's the same. That's a similar like ac- acoustician uh, type book. Sound recording and theory. Um, those are the main three. And then I read. This is not audio related, but I read. I'm reading Atomic Habits by James Clear, which talks about it's atomic, like small, not like atomic bomb, like big. <laughs> so it talks about making a. Uh oh, you okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it talks about. It talks about. It's. She's. Mm, All okay. right. I'm good. Go for okay. it. It talks about. It, it talks about making a um. Making one percent improvements every day rather than not uh, improving at all. So it says it's talking about like getting past that um, plateau of I forget it's called, but I'll just call it it the plateau of frustration when you're trying to improve upon something. And it gives this analogy of you have a block of ice in a room that's 24 in a room that's 24 degrees Fahrenheit and you increase the temperature by one degree every day, you start to feel frustrated that the ice hasn't begun to melt yet. But that doesn't mean that nothing has changed, right? That doesn't mean that no improvement has been made. And so it says, you know, once you get to 33 degrees Fahrenheit, the ice is going to start melting. And it's like, I'm probably not explaining it well, so so don't try to quote me on this. But basically it's saying, you know, all, you would have never gotten to 33 degrees if you didn't improve by one degree every day and the ice never would have started melting. Does that make sense? No, I get it. I understand <laughs> the analogy. No, I get that. That's super cool. So the no, book is, is read it. <laughs> it's a really good book and he explains how to make habits and keep them essentially and how to break. And not only that, but he describes how to break bad habits. So because I think a lot of our issues, like a lot of people's issues, is not making habits. It's about breaking bad ones, you know? So, yeah. That's what I'm reading. I'm intrigued by that. Have you read The 4-Hour Work Week? I haven't, but everybody keeps telling me about this book. <laughs> I'm just like, do I need to read this book? I feel like you do. <laughs> I I really do. I've been reading it, and it's been pretty fantastic. I was... I listened to a podcast called the six figure home studio guys and they talk about this book all the time. Like it is almost borderline annoying how much they talk about Mm -hmm. it. And so I was like, that's gotta mean something like that's just okay. So one day I was at Habitat for Humanity and uh, in their like resale store and they had the four hour work week book for like 25 cents. And I was like, it won't kill me to buy this. So I bought it and I started reading it, but it's been really nice. And it talks about a lot of similar concepts, I think, but I also think that it's, it's really great for um, building structure that doesn't feel like, like, it's like, okay, well, if you want these things to happen in life, if you're not doing the things necessary to make them happen, then why would those things exist? 
And I don't know if I'm describing that accurately or not, but that's kind of what I've gotten out of it. And so it's talked a lot about, you know, if you don't want to work 15 hour work days, then why are you setting yourself up to work 15 hour work days? Why are you setting yourself up to be overly stressed? Why are you setting yourself up to not be successful in whatever way that you're trying to be successful? And so, I don't know, it's, that's what I've gotten out of, out of it. Obviously the other, everybody gets something different out of books, but uh, it's, it's a book that I've been enjoying a lot. Um, so I was author. Uh, what is his name again? Well, it's just called the four hour work week, right? It is called the four hour work week. Where is it? I just had it too. Okay. Well, look it up. Tim Ferriss. That's his okay. name. <laughs> gotcha. But yeah, so uh, Tim Ferriss, that's his name. You should check it out. It's a good book. Um, I definitely like it. I also really like the Lean In book. I know a lot of people have like feelings about that one, but I really like it. I think it's a good good read, if nothing else. I don't know. Have you heard of that one yet? Have you? Yes. Yes. Did you read it? No, 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 no. Doesn't that seem like your cup of tea? No, not that one. Not that one? <laughs> but the four hour work week sounds good though. Uh, yeah, like I said, everybody has has like split feelings about that one. So um uh my big sister gave it to me as a graduation present just as something to like think about when I went out into the world and I nice. had to start dealing with people. <laughs> right. And then I started dealing with people and then I because at first I thought I was like, no. And then I started dealing with people who treated me a certain type of way. And then I was like, hmm. Maybe I should Maybe read I should this. Read. <laughs> <laughs> um, because at first, because I started reading it when she first gave it to me. I was like, oh, like, let's see what this is all about. And so I started reading it and I was like, this is not my life. Like, I don't, I don't know what she's talking about. And then I went out into the world and I was like, oh. It took me a whole <laughs> solid six months to realize what the book was talking about and why my big sister gave it to me. And then I was like, I should, I should read this book. Yep. I will. I will read the book now. Okay, cool. And it's been, it's been a nice addition. Cause I just, I never really encountered work situations like that. Mm-hmm. I'd encountered personal mm-hmm. situations and, but the way you have to function at work versus the way that you have to function personally are two completely different things. And that like, took you can work. just not be my friend, but you're still my boss. Yes. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Did you, uh, I would, I guess that's a great next question. So like how has, I don't know, being a woman in color, um, impacted you in audio like have you ever had any of those moments where you're just like nah fam like just mistreatments or anything like that and then how did you do it though? yeah I mean it's one of those things it's tricky because you're like is this happening because I'm brown or is this happening because I'm a woman or is this happening because of both or is this just happening because something's wrong with you so it's like you know it's one of those instances and there are some times where you're like it's very clear that this is just because I'm a woman like it's very clear that this is the only reason why this could be happening yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know so 
like when I was an undergrad, I had this one professor who I'm like grateful for now because I got had to get really tough skin and I've never been a person who had tough skin. Um, I don't wear my sleeves on my, I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve, but my heart is always open. And so it receives and gives a lot of other people's energy. And um, this particular professor, he just really was not welcoming as far as me being there. And I didn't feel welcome. But it was also like he would say very snarky things like, you know, it was a small class, first of all. I was only I was only female and I was the only person of color out of like 30 people. And then when you break down like people that are in your year, it was only like three or four of us in our years so taking our classes together. And everyone else was a white male. Nothing wrong with white males. Yeah. No, I have no problem with them. I really don't. Nobody does. But <laughs> nobody does. Nobody does. Nobody's but... nobody's out here trying to come for the white males of America, okay? Right. So it's fine. <laughs> and so he's like you know, he asked this question and I don't even remember what it was. It was like a really rudimentary question. And, you know, I raised my hand and answered. And he's like, wow, I'm really surprised that you knew an answer. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, okay. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're just like, there's so much shade that you don't even know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I ended up having like one-on-ones with him because he was my advisor for a little while. And in undergrad, like I struggled through like sophomore and junior year of undergrad. And a lot of it was due to this professor because he made my life really hard. And, uh, you know, I had a one-on-one session with him at one time and I was like, I just sometimes wish, you know, that there was more resources available to me, you know, is basically what I said. And he was like, well, since you're a woman, you know, things are going to be easy for you and you have to work much harder than everybody else just to prove yourself. And then you'll have to work even harder just for you to be able to be in the room. And at the time I was like, that was a really rude thing to say, Mm -hmm. but now And the reason why I say I'm grateful for him now is because it did make me work harder and it is the truth. And um, I don't necessarily want it to be the truth, but, but it ended up being the truth. So um, just hearing my professor say that, like say that so nonchalantly and not really being willing to do anything to change that aspect of it and being in a position of power and not being willing to adjust or make any changes on his end or anything for that. That's what made me really not like him. But what made me appreciate him was the fact that some, at least he had the, at least he had the nerve to say it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's like the main thing. Like I didn't, I'm not saying I appreciate him because because of what he said, but I appreciate the fact that he had the um, nerve to say it and admit that he knew that was the truth within the industry. And that's something that people, that a lot of individuals and a lot of males will not admit and will not recognize and honor. And so it's like, you know, you go through things that other 
other your your male counterparts and your non-brown male counterparts go through and no one will understand what you're talking about until they experience it for themselves or are willing to listen (laughs) and so usually the only people that are that have experienced themselves are people that look like you and the only thing only people that are willing to listen are people that look like you and so (laughs) and so it just makes this really awful vicious cycle and it's really disappointing to be honest because everybody has something to bring to the table that's different and unique there's this one um commercial this gap commercial with ll cool j and at the time fubu was a big thing oh yeah and he did this rap ll cool j did this rap and he was like he he uh he um says for us by us right which is what fubu stands for and so and so i think the people at gap were like oh cool you know blah 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 but nobody realized that he was basically honoring this black owned company using gaps like platform and so i was talking to my girlfriend about it and she was like what do you think about that i was like well I, i think it says a lot about the company that like clearly no one of color is on their board mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because a brown person would have caught that. And it's very obvious that no one uh, was able to catch that. And it's very obvious. It's very blatant. Like it's really clear. And like he winks at the end and we all know what he's winking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I, I bring that up because, because everybody has something to bring to the table. And when it's a more diverse group, things don't get missed, you know, because you can you people are seeing things from all different perspectives and different sets of eyes and all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it's been a struggle, but I don't I try not to focus on that because I, I won't let anybody take my passion for music away from me and my passion for audio away regardless of what they have to say or regardless of how they feel about me being there, because you know what, I'm here anyway. So you're either going to work with me or work against me, but you're still going to work with me. So, <laughs> you know, like I'm still here. So but unless somebody fires me, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, I've had just some really rude things said to me that I don't think are appropriate to repeat, but I'm happy to speak to you personal, you know, personally, I, I don't think they're appropriate to say on the podcast, sure. but um, I, you know, just, it's been a tough road yes. <laughs> and I've shed a lot of tears yeah. and um, worked through a lot of things. And it's like your emotions get involved and you don't want your emotions to be involved, but when someone attacks you personally, it's hard to not let your emotions get involved, you know? So that being said, once I did get a lot better at um, producing and a lot better at engineering, it was easy to stand out and it was easy to be recognized as being uh, good at what I do, you know? So it's like something that was a disadvantage became an advantage. So, um, I'm not, I'm not salty Mm -hmm. to say, you know, (laughs) I'm not salty and I'm not bitter. I I am a little frustrated and I hate that 
you know, if I'm ever in a position to empower other women, which is why I'm like so happy to be involved with the Omnisound project, I am like a hundred percent dedicated. And Lisa knows, like I tell her all the time, like I'll text her and I'll be like, Lisa, just keep going. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, you have people supporting you. Like I support you. Like if everybody else falls off, I will still be right yeah. here. And, you know, and she's like, thank you. Thank you. And I'm just like, if you can, um, empower, uh, women and, um, empower women of all backgrounds. I think that's just such a powerful and beautiful thing. And I support it. I'm here for it all day, all day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> Cause I didn't have that. Yeah. I didn't have it. I didn't have it at all. You know, I went to PWI and while I'm grateful for my experience, I really felt othered very consistently on a consistent basis. What's a PWI? So, um, uh, primarily white institution. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. The opposite of an HBCU. Opposite of one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I love my I love my school, but you know, there's there's politics and um, and this was mostly undergrad. This really wasn't at like Berkeley and the Masters program. I think that was because we were all older, and it's like you're here because you really want to be here and you're willing to work with one another. There were like one or two people that rubbed me the wrong way, but I didn't have to interact with them really. So, um, but do you think that's also partly because you weren't in America? For your master's? Because, I mean, you spent that time yeah. somewhere else, right? Yeah, that could be a big part of it. And, you know, the, 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 the issues that I had, the two people that I had issues with were Americans. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you know, there you have it. I got along with, like, everybody else, <laughs> you know, and... I think that does have a big thing to do with it. No, I didn't even think about that. That's a good perspective. Because you went to school in in Spain. Spain. It's the thing is, it's, it's an American school in Spain. Okay. So it was interesting. Side note, because we didn't know which holidays to celebrate. So some holidays we celebrate Spanish holidays, and sometimes we celebrate American holidays. But um, <laughs> that's so weird. like okay, it'd be like okay, what day do we have off? There's a lot of Spanish holidays, and each um, autonomy in Spain has its own holidays and so each autonomy is like it's literally like its own government its own language its own people like literally it's an autonomy yeah. like it's independent and that's why like um, Catalonia wants to be uh, separate from Spain and uh, actually I'm not going to speak too much on that just because I want to get my facts straight yeah. but I do know for a fact that Spain has autonomies and um, each one does have its own language and its own like culture really and I say all that to say what the <laughs> differences between the way yeah. people treated you versus how the Americans in your group treated you yeah so yeah a little bit different yeah. in Spain. So it was different it was different because we all we all had to have an open mindset because literally everybody was from all over the world. And so it's like, you don't want to say anything to any, to offend anybody. And you really shouldn't be thinking anything that's offensive anyway. And so it was like, 
you know, once you start to get to know people, you have a whole different perspective on their culture, you know, and we're all here. Like there were only a couple people from that were actually from Spain and they weren't even from that autonomy in Spain. They were like from the complete opposite side of the country. And so we're all figuring this culture out. We're all like here in school, stressed out. We're all trying to get through these projects. Like we're all going through it together. And so it was like this big, it was really like a family because it really wasn't a big class. There's only 120 of us and only 40 people in my program. So it was like, I'd say you, you brought a good point. The fact that it was in a different country, that's a good point. Uh, But in Atlanta, was there a lot of, was it primarily white people doing audio there too? Cause I thought that Atlanta was, cause I mean, Atlanta, there's a lot of, there's a large African <laughs> community, like there's a lot of black people in Atlanta. And I thought that um, as a result, um, there'd be more engineers who are black than so, white. So yes and no. So the clubs, depending on if you're going, if you're going to like, if you're going to like a soul club or like R&B club, it's going to be a black engineer. If you're going to like a bluegrass club, it's going to be a white engineer. <laughs> so it was still like separate, but because there's more black music, there's more black engineers, you know? And so there's a lot of studios that are, that are literally focused on like rap and hip hop. And so those have a lot of people of color engineering. I wouldn't say a lot of females though. Mm-hmm. There's not very many females. No. So, but yeah, it's because of, it's because of the culture that there's more, it's because of the music selection that there's more black people, that there's more brown people engineering. Got you. Okay. I was like, I don't know. Cause I'm always, (laughs) I don't, and I don't mean this to sound bad, but like in my experience, I grew up in DFW. Uh, Dallas Fort Worth, which is um, it's mo- it's it's more diverse, but it's also as a result of that you don't have like large pockets of people in one spot. If that makes sense, so it's not like this mm-hmm. whole city is black people or this whole place is white people and stuff. Like, it's it's a little bit more uh, cohesive in some regards. Um, homogenous a lot more homogenous in some regards. Um, but then there's, there mm-hmm. is like that neighborhood of like, you know, there is, there's a sense of diversity, but there's also a sense of a lot of white people. Um, and so I don't know a ton because where I was at, I met mostly white engineers um, just because of the circle of friends that I had where I went to school, that was more the focus. And then I moved to Austin and Austin don't got that many black people <laughs> um, in yeah. it. And so uh, the number of, of engineers have been primarily white as well, um, particularly older white males, too. Um, more recently, I met younger engineers, and I was like, oh, young people, where were you hiding <laughs> in my life? <laughs> and I know it sounds like weird, right. but it's kind of true because I, I genuinely just didn't know any of them. Like everybody I knew was like, I'd say at least 40 or older. Like there was nobody like 20s, teens, 30s, anything like that. Um, So I 
more recently learned about the plethora of humans that exist in the world. (laughs) And I do think about as a result of that is the things that we are struggling with as women of color, as women in audio, is it unique to America or is it unique to the industry as a whole? You know, like, is it, like what? No, it's like a it's like a worldwide thing. What do you mean? Unfortunately, um, it, I mean in it being male dominated or in it being white male yeah. dominated? Because male dominated, yes. No, in it being male dominated, yeah. I wouldn't say I can't really speak about white male dominated. I'm not sure because like that's probably not the case in like Kenya or something, you know what I mean? Right, and that's, and that's where my mind was going. Like, I'm like, there's got to be like something here because, you know, you see statistics all the time and that's and that was kind of where I was trying to get to is that you see statistics all the time where people are like, oh man, we live in, you know, we're, we're, we're in this white male dominated field and you're like, yeah, but is that unique to just here or is that everywhere? Because I need to know because I don't, I don't know about you, but are there just like a ton of white folks chilling in Africa trying to do sound? Like, are there a ton of white folks <laughs> in South America chilling trying to do sound? Because I want to know um, how no, they dominate it. Because nobody ever talks about dominated. the global aspect of it all. It's very much so, yeah. to my knowledge, it feels a lot more like when you see these statistics and you listen to people talk, they are talking more specifically about America. But I kind of want to know about the rest of the world. But there's... Oh, like, for example, the call last night, the woman from Mexico yes. City. So she's like, do you remember her talking? She was like, yeah, there's like one female engineer in town. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember her saying I, that? I got part of her thing but then i was okay. having my technical oh. problems and okay so, yeah. okay no yeah she was like yeah like my dream job is to work at a studio and engineer but like uh there's only like one female engineer and so i'm trying to connect with other people and you know this sort of thing and it was just like not you too oh, you know <laughs> yeah so it was like she was really sweet but it's it was really kind of disappointing you know, because that's what made me be like, okay, so it's not just the U.S. To answer your question, you know, she's in like a major city in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mexico City. Oh, yeah. You know? That's her capital, too. So, but yeah, exactly. So it's like. <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Thought you had it bad, didn't you? I mean, you? I knew that we were all struggling. Like I don't and I don't mean this to sound like I didn't know that there is a significant in a significant difference between women in audio versus males in audio versus men in audio. Like I knew that that existed. But I really wondered about like the race part of it. I think race has just been mm-hmm. on my mind lately, if I'm being honest. Um like people being male versus female, but also the race aspect of things. Just because, I don't know, I've had a lot of interesting encounters lately um, with with a lot of interesting encounters um, surrounding these particular topics. And so it just, mm-hmm. I, and I don't know a whole lot of people outside of, you know, America. 
So I've always just kind of, mm-hmm. like in my mind, I'm always just trying to go through and have a, a greater understanding of all of it and not just yeah. what we're focusing on here. What's your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to say that I didn't mention was when you're talking about like your woman was about audio engineering, I interviewed for a position as in a recording engineer at a studio. And it was a studio that mostly does like rap and hip hop. And so the owner was like, are you comfortable with the clients like hitting on you? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what? Just yeah. on the inside, I was like, wait, this? No, I was like, what? And so, and so he's like, yeah, the, the problem was like, with our last female engine, I'm not knocking him because he was basically trying to just warn me. It's basically all it was. He's like, we had a female engineer and like all the guys that came in were like hitting on her and she would get so frustrated that they were hitting on her and asking her for her number. And this, that, and the other. I said, oh no, I'll shut that down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cause definitely he was like, well, he's, that's basically what he was asking. He, he wasn't asking like, can they hit on you? He was asking, like, are you okay with, like, handling yeah. yourself? You know, because you have to move differently because they're going to treat you differently. And he was just like, you know, they just didn't really respect her a lot. And, um, you know, I would, he had, like, obviously a security and, um, like, video and stuff. And he's like, when I'm not here, you know, I'm always watching the video and making sure that nothing's going down that shouldn't be going down. And he was like, I just need to know if you're comfortable with like holding your own, you know? And so that's like, that was real. And I appreciated him asking me that instead of me just having to find out and deal with it and feel like unsupported. But at the same time, it's like nobody, a a male would never be asked that question or have to even think about it. And it's like the fact that I have to think about this at work, it's just, yeah. it's just real. Like the fact that you asked me that at my interview means that it's a really big issue and you don't want that to be the reason why I quit. Yes. So it's like, oh, here we go. You know, and I, and I told him about like some of my history and I was just like, yeah, I haven't done this for a while now. Like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not even here. I don't even like men. So (laughs) I'm not about that. Like like, I'm gay. So I'm just like, I don't even, you know what I mean? So um, he's just like, yeah, I just want to make sure that, you know, you can handle yourself. And he was, he was really like genuinely concerned, but trying to say it in a nice way. And I appreciated him for that the same way I appreciated my professor, like recognizing that this is an issue, but he was trying to mitigate. And that, that's the difference between him and my professor. So, so yeah, that's another thing just to mention. Yeah. That. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 
So what advice do you have for somebody who is trying to navigate the waters of dealing with the tomfoolery of people and their <laughs> attention or their their obnoxious need to be like, no, I'm allowed to say these things and that's not offensive. And if you're offended by it, then somehow that's your fault or, you know, like just that sort of world of tomfoolery that's happening. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you have to know who you are and what your value is. You know, you have to, you do get to a point, like there was a point in my life where I would have dealt with it. But I think the older you get and the more you learn yourself, you're like, I'm about to put up with this. And I don't have to put up with it. And you're going to stop this now. (laughs) you know and being very sure of yourself makes a big difference in having uh, confidence in your speech and being very articulate makes a big difference and I don't have anything that's necessarily practical other than making sure that you speak up when you're uncomfortable in a very professional way in a very assertive way and not feeling bad about it that you deserve to be comfortable at work. You don't, you don't deserve to feel um, out of place or uncomfortable or um, like you're being uh, harassed or anything like that. No one deserves that. And if there's nobody there to stand up for you, you still need to stand up for yourself. So, yeah. That's good advice. Um, yeah, that's that's nice advice. I like that. Um, although I don't know how how well to transition that, you know, because I feel like because um, <laughs> I feel like I like you hear something, and I don't know if this is like the same for other people, but I know that for me, like I'll hear something, and I'm like, yeah, but how does that work for real, though? You know what I mean? Like I I. I wish that there was like a way to like walk people through like when this happens, these are the things you could do, you know, like I know like what you have, mean. Like, I know what you mean. Cause you play scenarios yeah. in your head and then the, there's something that's similar to that. Like it's like you try to prepare for an interview and you think of all the questions and they throw a different question at you and you're like, you're thrown off because that was not one of the questions you were supposed yeah. to ask me. <laughs> And so, and so, you know, you're, I feel that. I totally feel that. I mean, that goes back to just being sure of yourself. When you're sure of yourself, it, it comes naturally. Like, just having confidence and knowing your worth and what you will and will not put up with, it's very easy to know when to draw the line. Because you're like, oh, that's what I'm not about to put up with. You got to that point. Here's what you're going to stop. You know, and (laughs) so here's, you know, it's like one of those, either you're going to stop this or I'm going to stop this. One or the other, we can, we can do it in whatever order you prefer, but it's going to stop. So, um, it's hard to, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's hard. You start to just get in scenarios. And once you've gone through enough, you start to be able to articulate better like th- that's what's been my process, you know, or my journey rather. Um, before starting out, I I uh, 
I wouldn't know what to say. I'd be so speechless. Like, I'm surprised you knew that answer, Cinnamon. I didn't say anything because I didn't, I couldn't believe that he said that. And I couldn't believe that my classmates didn't say anything either. I was just, I was just so shook. And it stuck with me, like, it stuck with me to this day. And I think it'll stick with me to the rest of my life that, you know, I felt so alone and abandoned and in a, in what's supposed to be a safe environment, a learning environment. So it's like having that feeling, I'm going to assure myself that I'll never have that feeling again, you know? So whatever it takes for me to do, as long as I'm not being like rude, if I have to be aggressive or assertive, then so be it. But I'm not going to feel that way again. Do you ever like look back on moments and replay them and have like a negative like <laughs> like passed over it like I don't know like you started laughing but <laughs> like, like do I re- do I replay them and say this is what you should have said exactly and you have like all the sass and then like the next moment that it happens you have like none of the sass I'm like, like I was like armed with sass and then like the moment happened and I was like, there's no more sass. Like, I don't know where the sass, the sass just left me. Um, it's, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be sass. It can just be confidence. Well, for know? me, it's sass. And like, <laughs> for me, it's okay, my okay, personal okay, self okay. in my own mind, it is sass because sass is the way that I've armed myself with, um, mm-hmm. with confidence. Like, when I feel confident, sassy Tangela comes out. Not disrespectful Tangela, okay? There's a difference here um, between being disrespectful and non-professional and just having, like, a sort of, like, <laughs> like moment. I don't know how to describe that. But for me, that feeling is sassy. Like, uh, But it's not necessarily – it doesn't come across the way that that sounds either because maybe that's a bad word for it. Um, but – yeah, like for me in my head, it's like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I'll I'll think about a moment that happened and I'll be like, geez. And then like, I'll come up with all these different versions of like saying things. But my question is, do you ever feel some type of way when those moments are over and you didn't react the way that you want it? Or do you ever feel bad for reacting a certain way, even if you don't feel like, even if it wasn't necessarily right or wrong, do you ever feel bad for the way that it, the situation around it or anything like that? I don't know if that makes sense or not. Not anymore, but that's because I've gotten better at it to the point where I don't regret the way or what I said. You know what I mean? So when I first started, it's been like a journey. So when I first started like speaking up, I'd be like, Oh, I shouldn't have said it that way. Like I said it, I was so rude. I was so like, they're going to think I'm itchy. You know what I'm saying? Like they're going to think I'm this, that, and the other and blah, blah, blah. And I just, that wasn't professional and blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. No, you know, it's not professional. Someone talking to you that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so it's like, you know, you started it, so don't start now. You can't finish. You know what I mean? But you don't have to be um, unprofessional, but not anymore. To answer your question, not anymore because I've like practiced it and gotten better at mm-hmm. clapping back. So, um, 
Not anymore. No. I'm waiting for that moment to happen. I still feel bad. <laughs> I, I do. I always feel so bad. Like stuff will happen. I'll be like, mm. and then, but I, I think I'm just one of those people who is, I spend a lot of time reflecting over things in my head. Like I go over things a lot and sometimes it's almost to a fault because then I start like psyching myself out of things, but not out of things. That's not the right sentence. Um, I start rationalizing things. I start making excuses for other people because it's like, well, maybe they're just having a bad day. So I just need to let it go because they were having a bad day or I need to just move on because they probably, it was just like a simple moment of miscommunication or something like I am, I become that person in my mind. And I think that that's part of the problem. Um, in the sense of like, that shouldn't be the reaction either. Like you shouldn't start feeling like you have to make excuses for other people's behaviors when their behavior has been wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it actually. Um, if we did all the questions and then some. Yeah. Cool. I really enjoyed you. I've enjoyed you too. And I do. You're my new BFF. I would get us matching necklaces. You know the ones with the yes, heart. Yes, I'll have. buy you a necklace. It will say, say BFFs on it. Or what is it? No, it says best friends forever. And then the B and the friends and the F ever part is like in half. I split. You know, like uh-huh. one of these letters. Put them together. It's cute. Um. Yeah, no, I've, I've I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, I can't wait for us to, I don't know, be able to go outside and, and like we can like do something in the real world. Yeah, or I can come over and have Indian food. <laughs> you can come over and have Indian food. That is true. I do like making food for people, but i I like I like cooking for people. I don't like cooking for myself because it's just boring to me when it's just me. Cause I'm like, nobody's here to share this experience of food. <laughs> but I also don't have a lot of friends who like Indian food. So it makes me kind of sad. Cause I'm like, <laughs> why can't you be friends? I love Indian so, yeah. food. Yeah. Love we, need, we need the real. Uh, love me some good karma, man. Love me some I'm not gonna lie though. My favorite dish and it's kind of lame is, is, is spinach sog with, with lamb in it. I just love it. Lamb, spinach, I'm like, yes. And then give me that cream on the side. Yes. I love mm-hmm. it. It makes my heart so happy. But yeah, no, I look forward to, to seeing you in the real world. Um, so uh, we'll close this out. And then I have a question for you. After this, okay. okay? So, you know. Okay. Um, so thank you, Cinnamon, for being here. Really appreciated it. Um, this has been fun. And uh, hope you had a great time as well. And uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. So, thank you. <laughs>